Because and Because We Make, the podcast about making, creativity, and why we do what we do as makers and creatives. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari, and joining me as always, my right-hand man, Ethan Carter. What's going on, Vincent? Oh, life is good, my friend. Life is good. Yeah. It's, it's Monday. The summer's almost here. People are starting to go outside again. It's I know. Like, we, yeah, we actually had finally had a weekend with good weather. It was nice. And, yeah, people um, were walking out of their house, rubbing their eyes, squinting at that thing in the sky, that ball of nuclear <laughs> fire that they used to see once in a while. It's amazing. It's awesome. I got to tell you, though, so I, I left my car outside because um, I was doing work in the garage, and I woke up the next morning, and it was completely yellow and it, oh yeah my it's truck not a, and it's not a yellow car it's it was the pollen <laughs> is just insane right my now. truck my truck looks fuzzy right yeah, now it's, because it's, there's so much pollen it's gross and when you have a black truck everything yeah. shows up on right. it holy crap <laughs> um did you find any um lizards or tr- or frogs no or cats? no no uh no? no but um but my boss has this huge snake uh outside his front door that mm-hmm. must have a nest uh, and we're talking, it's not a gardener snake. It's, uh, I mean, it's not poisonous, but it's big. I mean, and especially if you're not a snake person. So he was actually, that was like our, what our department meeting was about was how to solve his snake problem today. So ah. really productive, p- productive day at Gorn's. But, but uh, okay. So that's interesting, but I think you missed my little inside reference <laughs> oh, to last no. week. Oh, what did I miss? You have a Jeep. Oh, yes. Did you find the Easter No, I have not. Oh, no. You haven't right. found no, any? I have not. No, I know. Oh my God. You must I know. Be- are you, are you losing your mind? Because like, yes. you know it's and there no, somewhere. And, and I, that's, I think I, I blocked it out of my memory because it's been, it drove me. Not, I, I have not looked in the past since uh, since Wednesday last week because I got so mad. So, yes, I blocked it out of my memory. So. Oh, my God. I noticed in your um, your Instagram story before the show, you did the, um, you, you got the print from Mary, you got a print from Mary Lou, the sneaker print? Yes. Yeah. I just want you to know what I, I have a plan. Oh, yeah? I bought all four colors. Oh, nice. And I'm totally doing it Andy Warhol style. Oh, nice. Like I a like four. It. I'm going to mat it. I'm going to frame it. And my, I keep talking about this office reno that at some point I'm going to have <laughs> to actually start doing. But all right. Enough, enough chitter chatter. We actually have some housekeeping that we have to take care of right up front because people yes. have been waiting for this. They've been asking us about it. We finally, um, we finally settled on rules and everything. So... If you go right now to becausewemake.com slash 2020challenge, that's 2020challenge, you will find the official rules for the, sorry Dave Swiduck, the Enlighten Us Challenge. (laughs) That's what we're calling it. Um, It's official. We have the rules. We have the deadline that we set is August 17th at 11.59 Eastern Time which is a night that we regularly record. So you have to get your stuff in by 11.59 Eastern. A um, couple of little clarifications in the rules for people that are... Um, we're looking for light fixtures, not like a cutting board with LEDs in it. So none of that. We want actual light fixtures. We want to like produce enough light for something. Yeah. To, <laughs> right. Reading lamp, light on a table, something along those lines, any of that. That's what we're looking for. Um, if you are... For example, a Kim and Garrett or an Evan and Caitlin, et cetera, et cetera, you can submit one per, you don't have to submit one as a group. We know that there is an Evan and a Caitlin, and we know that there is a Laura and a Lewis. See, I'm trying to remember all the couples that I know that listen and watch. <laughs> There's an um, Ethan and a Cart. No, wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you can submit one for each if y'all want to compete against each other. That's not a problem. The judging will be completely subjective. 
and yep. we are not going to tell you how we pick our winner. Well, we'll probably talk about it. We'll tell the we'll tell the why, but there is not going to be it's not going to be scientific. We're not going to keep score. We're not going to it's not going to be that. It's going to be overall what did this do and did it knock us on our butt and if it did that will be the one that wins and the other thing too and i, I well I'm, I'm saying this i don't think we've talked about this Vincent, but the other thing too is you know if you if you're posting before the deadline and stuff like that i mean as you post we'll you know we'll we'll talk about things on the podcast so mm-hmm. um exposure is another i mean that's why i've always done challenges is yeah you know, one for the fun and the creativity and the camaraderie but also you know it's a good way of getting exposure so um there's that benefit too so again even if you don't expect to win uh first that's the wrong attitude but um <laughs> but also do it just for fun i mean this it, what it's about is it's it's really about community building and being inspired by each other so uh no matter how small or how big just just do it we're expecting the episode that we record record august 31st which will drop september 2nd to be completely about the challenge because yeah. honestly i am surprised and i am I, I, I'm blown away by how many people have already said they want to, not only that they want to participate, but who remembered when we said a couple of weeks ago that we were going to have the website up with the rules on it. And they're like, hey, you didn't put the website up or mention it in the show. And I'm like, and what, what's the link again? Just It is becausewemake.com slash 2020 challenge, nice. which gives us the flexibility to do a 2021 challenge. <laughs> um, I'm really hoping this goes well. I know that right now the only prize up there, we're going to do a $150 Amazon, Rockler, Woodcraft, whichever you guys want, or you know, like a Visa or Amex gift card. There's going to be more prizes, but we didn't right. want to wait till we got all the prizes figured out and sorted out. So we're just going to start with that. And as we go, if we get more prizes or somebody wants to sponsor, or if maybe somebody listening has some stuff that they want to offer, mm-hmm. Hey, we'll, we'll take it and we'll, we'll make it a prize and we'll promote you for donating a prize. So, and, we'll, and who knows again, and no, no promises, but you know, if there's, if we get enough stuff, you know, we could do it. We might even be able to do a second and third, you know? Yes. And I'm I'm really hoping that as many people as have told me they wanted to participate will actually participate because if they do if if I if we just get the people who have talked to me to mm-hmm. participate, it's gonna be great. Because yep. it's gonna be more than I, I'm worried and I'm just gonna you know, we're all about pulling back the kimono here. Well I'm gonna pull back the kimono a little bit. I'm all I'm a little bit nervous that no one's gonna participate. So well, I'm, just I'm, I'm going honest. to Vincent. So. I, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's another thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ethan and I will be participating, but we, we will win. not be eligible to win because if we were, we would win because we're better than all of you. <laughs> Prove us wrong. Okay. <laughs> but no, I, I've, I've got mine started, Vincent. So I, 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 I think originally I said I was going to uh, bust one out and like just get one done so we could post. And I, I pivoted a little bit. I made it a little bit more. Uh, involved so it's um, but it's in the works so well, I, I still plan to hopefully post early on so that we can you know get people hey, excited so. we can't win so we can start early if we right, want exactly <laughs> um, yeah I'm very excited about this this yeah, is our first fun. our first challenge so I'm hoping that a lot of people get into it participate and, uh, and again the prizes are great but it's the it's the fun and inspiration that that is really what matters so yeah and you guys are you guys i mean let's be honest the people that have all messaged me that they're interested you're all our friends right so you know if you're all our friends anyway we like you we're going to promote your stuff so this is your opportunity to get some promotion for your work your instagram feed your youtube channel and hey if you do a build video i'm not going to say that's going to get you the win but if we can watch your whole process and you have it ready for the deadline 
that would be really really cool so yeah we we, we are two people that love the process part of it so. oh we love the process sometimes yeah. we like the process more than the product marcus <laughs> well, I, would be i'm certainly upset. that way with my own work so <laughs> <laughs> marcus limonis would be very upset with us all right enough of that yes. enough blather enough being rude have... to our guest right? yeah we have a guest i did warn our guest i yes, did warn yeah. our guest that we were gonna blab for a few minutes about this because this is something we've been talking about for like six months already so um one of the coolest things about the youtube woodworking community is that there's a wide range of what you see and one of the things that i'm gonna openly admit that i am not a huge fan of except for when I really dig someone's work is like the finer woodworking stuff. And I know that sounds really weird because we talk a lot about woodworking on here, mm -hmm. but I'm not one of those like high-end joinery, high-end stuff. I, I just not really my thing, but I do love the art of it. Right. Right. So when somebody's doing those things and they do them in an artistic way, well, that gets my attention. And our guest and I told him, you know, leading up to it, that he is our—he is my favorite um, artisanal woodworker on YouTube, like by far, no doubt about it. And I am very excited. He is actually a former Video of the Week winner. Yeah, um, for the Squiggly well, Wine Rack. And I think that was how I was introduced to him was because uh, you had sent me that video, which was late in the game. So I've gone back in and. Uh, Oh wow! Watched a ton, but yeah, I had not. I did, was not aware of his channel, which I feel embarrassed about. But that is um, fantastic. But thank, thankfully, that that is one of the few times where we haven't overlapped and we didn't know about the same people. Well, so. and and what what's really funny is when we get to video of the week this week, it was like Ethan and I actually said, "Well, that's the end of it because there is really no other video to be video <laughs> this week." Yeah. Um, our guest this week is the one and only John Perilla from Perilla Works. Hey, John. Hey, how's it going, guys? Welcome. Um, you are, I, you know, we talk, we talked about Paul Jackman a couple of weeks ago, and we're like, you know, we don't consider him a maker, we consider him an artist, mm -hmm. and I put you in that same category, Agreed. because the stuff you make is so beautiful. It's just always, always, always beautiful, and it's, it's remarkable watching you work. You do amazing work. Well, and again, I think that's part of why, you know... Clearly, well, I would classify you as a fine woodworker for sure. Mm -hmm. but, but unlike some others that are just doing the same old thing, you, you your work is has you know it's art at the same time as fine woodworking, and it's the combination of those two that really it just makes your pieces pop, and uh, it's it's so good. <laughs> so, thank you guys. You know, I um I try to look at myself as mostly a woodworker and try to mix in a little bit of I guess artistic touch, and uh, I'm glad that it. Seems to be coming through a bit. Oh yeah, and oh, definitely one of the things I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit something here. I did a I did a restoration video of a Tonka truck, and you know what I did at the end? I did the John Perilla ending with the <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> the camera shutter. Uh huh. Oh, I so... li I literally stole it from you, and when I showed my wife the video, she goes. You stole mm -hmm. that from Perola Works, didn't you? I'm like, yeah, you're damn right I did, because it looks really cool when you do the beauty shots with the camera shutter in the middle. Um, how so did you... Oh, well, sorry, go ahead. Just, I mean, we talked about this with David Picciuto a few weeks ago, and that is, little things like that are just so... I Again, they're little things but in your edit, but it's part of your branding, and I... I yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I think I forgot to comment on that, Vincent, but the second <laughs> I saw that, I was like... That's, you know, that's Perilla Works right there. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's so totally a good job on, on you know, adding a little branding to your video 
at any style. So yeah, you know, I am not, uh, or at least I don't think I'm not great at making videos. Like it's not something I'm educated in and I don't know too much about it. And so when I was making my first videos, I was just trying to think of some way to share some photos that wasn't just a slideshow. And so I mm-hmm. wanted there to be a little bit of uh, action to it. So that's kind of what I came up with. Your videos, I, that's surprising to me because I think your videos are gorgeous. Like they're perfectly shot. They're perfectly framed. They look good. They're sh- they're they're sharp. They're well shot. And I, I actually think your, your video skills are off the charts. So it's funny to hear that you're not, you don't consider yourself like a real, like a video guy because your videos are so on point. Yeah. You know, I, I watch a fair amount of, of woodworking videos and I have a good grasp of like all the guys and girls out there, like what they're making. And I, I struggle to kind of try to keep up. And it's one of those things that like, you know, certain effects that mm-hmm. people put in their videos mm-hmm. and transitions and things like that. And it's one of those things that I'm always focused on like what I'm making and I sort of neglect the, the, uh, out of the shop aspect of some of these, some of the edits and it's hard for me to find the time to be like, Hey, let me take the time to to (laughs) figure out how to do this certain thing that everyone's doing with their videos nowadays. And I, um, but yeah, it's, I I appreciate what you, you saying that. And, um, well, yeah, I think um, that the pace of your videos are re- is really good too. Mm-hmm. It's 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 calm and not rushed, but but never feels like it's dragging. Um, and you know, I, again, I think w- with people trying to put out longer and longer videos, I understand why people are doing that. But I think sometimes that runs the risk of of bad pacing. And you know, if you make a four four minute video or a five minute video, you put out a four five minute video because that's what it should be. And so I respect that a lot too. Yeah, I. There's certain people that I follow, and I'm sure you guys have them as well, that when you see that they upload like an 18-minute video, you're like, eh, that's no problem. I'm going to watch that. Right. But there's other people, if I see them upload a 15, 18-minute video, I'm like, um, I don't know. I I don't have the time. <laughs> right. And I feel the same way. When I'm editing my videos, if it gets up into the high teens, I start speeding up some of the footage or cutting it because I just don't want people to miss out on certain aspects. Uh if if I don't want to lose them on that video, so I want right. to keep them, and I try to keep the pace just just fast enough to where they're engaged. I mean, it's a tricky thing too. Again, I've talked about it a little bit for my own, like coming from Instagram, trying to fit a whole story into one minute. Going to YouTube, it, it's I was almost the other ways. I had to slow myself down because I was too fast, and it's it is it's a tough balance. And um and and I think the the people that get it really like they prosper from it. You know, it's, it's not an easy skill to, to get. And when you're looking at your own footage, sometimes it goes, it can go either way. Either you love so much of your footage that you don't want to cut any of it out, or you're so sick of your footage that you speed it up. Right. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's a challenging thing. It is amazing that you've managed to make a whole channel out of videos and most of them are under 10 minutes, which is again, that's unheard of. And that's probably why your videos, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I see you, you uploaded a video and it's like, oh, it's only seven minutes. Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> but like you, I watched, uh, one of the things I like though is that you do expose a lot in your Instagram stories. And as you were teasing the mosaic portrait, I was just like, oh man, is he doing what I think he's doing? And then <laughs> you showed the final reveal yeah. and it was just like, oh my God. And we had just had you as thing of, as the video of the week, like, a few weeks earlier and I was like 
oh, we can't do it again. <laughs> we can't do it again. It's like, it's just, it was such a hard one. But that thing is just, I remember watching it at work and then coming home and showing it to my wife and going, just sit down for just a minute watch. and just watch this. This is ridiculous. So what was the, um, what was the genesis for that idea? Because it's got to be my favorite thing that you've made. It's probably right up there with the squiggle wine rack and you made them back to back so it's hard for me to pick but what was the genesis of that mosaic portrait i know it was for a gift but how did you get the idea and how did you approach something on that scale yeah so i'm a big fan of legos and i still kind of collect different different sets and minifigures and so there's people that make lego mosaics and the uh the i guess crossover with woodworking was that I could just make little squares of wood and they'd just be like little bricks. And so I found some mosaic software that could help me convert an image. And I was saving this idea for for the right time. Like I've been wanting to make this for a while and Mother's Day was coming up. So I figured it'd be a great time to make a little portrait of our daughter as a gift for my wife. It was so good. And I love the way you did the um, the varying heights rather than having them all just like mm-hmm. almost like a cutting board where you just glue them all together and all the same. I think that just added so much texture, visual interest. Yeah. When you were panning around it at the end, I was like, oh, man, that really just makes it pop like crazy. Yeah. You know, behind the scenes, I guess I knew that if I wanted them all to be the same height, like it was not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And right, so right. I could have made it cutting board style and like ran it through like the sander afterwards and kind of flushed them up. But uh, another idea I had was to have like certain parts of the of her face being different heights, like have the nose be taller, have the hair being taller than the skin and, and things like that. Um, that sort of got sort of like pushed to the back burner as far as how much work was involved. So I mm-hmm. kind of gave that up and just kind of mixed all the heights in there. And I, I'm pretty happy with how it came out. I like that. I like it's it's one of those things where you take what could be a really uh, challenging part of a build and instead of trying to force fit it, you kind of embraced it, right? And just kind of made it part of the design instead of, instead of fighting it the whole time. Yeah, and I, I was definitely up against some deadlines as far as, uh, you know, Mother's Day coming up and uh, I was putting in some hours putting all those pieces in. So oh, was, how long did that how long did that take start to finish? Um, you know, I didn't keep track of every piece but i did a couple little test runs i would do batches of like 56 pieces or some batches bigger than that and i would kind of time myself how long it would take to pick out each one because i had to do the right color in the right order and then how long it took to place them and so i kind of had a pace of like seven eight minutes per 56 pieces and so like i think it extrapolated out to like around 18 hours just for putting the pieces and so there was also a fair amount of time getting the pieces milled up and cut up and things like that and so it was it was a pretty involved project so uh, and that's one of those i mean one of a lifetime kind of pieces i mean it's it's beautiful and yeah yeah well it's kind of funny because we're expecting our second child right now oh congrats and we thank you and you know most of our family knew about this when we when I gave her that mosaic, and so everyone, a lot of the jokes were, "I'm going to have to make another one <laughs> in, a, in a year or two, So stay tuned for that. It's funny. My my. Uh, so I have two nieces. My brother, uh, for my first niece, uh, her birthday, he wrote a song to do. Uh, put a slideshow to for her first birthday, and he did it for the second. 
and then uh, then they had their second child, uh, and he's like, "All right, each one gets one because <laughs> I can't keep, I can't do this every year." So it's yeah. Are you going to uh, j- just? Did you learn anything in the process of this one that you're going to apply? Because it's pretty. I mean, I'm assuming you're going to make another one. Um, yeah. Is there anything in the process where you're like, I definitely would have done that differently, or are you pretty happy with the way it went? I'm I'm happy for the most part. Uh, there is some like. I guess logistical things I would probably change. Just I had some of my pieces that didn't come out quite the right size. Like I think I mentioned that like the black and red pieces, they didn't get sanded down to the right thickness. And so I kind of threw some stuff out of square and I guess I was rushing a little bit and it was like a little oversight on my part, but the actual approach to like laying all the pieces and gluing them together, I was pretty happy with, um, with being so many pieces it's not as easy to spot little mistakes. Right. And that's one of the reasons I wanted the high resolution is a, it improves the image quality from if you're standing far away, you know, it looks like a real photo. Um, but also it's, it's harder to spot those little individual gaps or mistakes or things like right. that. On a large enough, on a large enough scale, all mistakes disappear. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And it's funny cause you know, when I was working on it, I was so up close to it that, I was getting a little nervous that this thing was not going to look like anything. Like all the colors would blend together. It wouldn't really come through. But every I would take a picture of each session. Like I would do a row, like seven rows at a time. And I would take a photo of, of that when I was done. And when I would look at that thumbnail in my phone, it's, a small, it. it's a small thumbnail and it looked great. Uh, <laughs> that kind of kept me going. <laughs> now, did, now, I got to ask, did your wife know that you were doing this the whole time? She didn't know, but she knew I was doing something. <laughs> well, you're you spending know. that much time, I'm sure, yeah. right? Yeah. She knew I was doing something. I, I actually blocked her on Instagram. And, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. And so there was one day we were hanging out and her aunt mentioned, she's like, John, what are all those little pieces? Because that's when I was kind of teasing the, the thousands <laughs> of pieces on Instagram. And she's like, what are all those little pieces for? And my wife's like, Looking over like, what? And I was like, nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> Kicking her under the table. Yeah, Ixnay so. on the East's pay. <laughs> but she was completely surprised. So was, oh, that's that awesome. Good. So what your, your, the work you do is just so clean and precise and beautiful. And, you know, fine woodworking, you know, fine woodworking is a term that, you know, we throw around a lot. But it really does describe your work. Like your work is, there's a level of finished nature to your work that is rare even on even on youtube amongst other amongst other woodworkers so i'm curious to know how did you get started how did you get started in woodworking and when did it hit this level because clearly you're at a level that a lot of people aren't and i'm not saying this just to kiss your butt i really mean it you're you're at a level that's i mean it's i'm speaking for myself you're way beyond what i what i do like and, no and, and why woodworking too? Like I think, yeah. Part of, like what 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 about woodworking is what drew you in? Let's have the origin story <laughs> yeah. of John Perilla. <laughs> sure. So I I used to live in Virginia for a few years, and I had some access to a a wood shop, and so I would kind of go there every once in a while, and I would just pick up little things here and there, and I eventually bought myself a wood lathe, and I had it in my apartment. I had a little one bedroom apartment, and I started turning pens and I tried to make a chess set. Uh, but I got kind of bored with that and I, you know, all the chess pieces didn't look exactly the same and I got frustrated. So I bought myself a bandsaw. So I had a little bandsaw in my apartment 
Love and it. I started making uh, bandsaw boxes. So that's sort of the first, my first uh, foray into woodworking was bandsaw boxes, which is a great introduction project because, you know, if you do have a bandsaw, you can do the whole project with the bandsaw, you know, mm-hmm. outside of, you know, sanding and things like that. But right. um, it's a great little project. And I started making them and... Uh, the typical ones you would see are these like sort of blobby looking round ones. Um, and it's sort of its own little aesthetic, but I kind of wanted to approach it differently and, and make them look like, uh, like regular pieces of furniture, even though they're tiny, uh, really small and tiny. I wanted them to look like normal pieces of, of woodworking that happen to be bandsaw boxes. So I almost like, like a dresser, but smaller. Exactly. Okay. Gotcha. Exactly. So, and, and you know, I would take like deceptive, photos so it looks like you don't really know how big it is and you know is that a full-size dresser is it like a miniature thing here um so i started making those and i ran a kickstarter campaign which you know a little crowdfunding thing and i sold a few of my designs and at that time i only had like i said i was going to sell like 20 of them and i sold all of them it was kind of cool so there were pre-orders and i went to work and made 20 boxes in my apartment and then I eventually moved back down to South Florida, which is where I grew up and where I live now. And I left my job and I came down here and it was a good opportunity to kind of take on the woodworking thing full time. And so I ran another Kickstarter campaign and this time I kind of took the training wheels off. I still did bandsaw boxes, but I did like unlimited amounts. So if if I sold a hundred, I'd make a hundred. So I ended up selling like, I want to say like $18,000 worth. And it, wow. it, it was oh. a huge surprise um, when all those orders came in, but I, you know, I had to make all of them. So I think I made like 180 or 200 little boxes. And so that chunk of change was really what funded most of the tools in my shop. Wow. And well, it, did you have that, like, uh, there's a, very, a, a couple of times where I've gotten a big order and it's just that, that excitement, but followed quickly by, oh crap. I have to actually make <laughs> 200. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it's kind, of, it's kind of like a little funny story that me and my wife laugh about sometimes because the night before the Kickstarter blew up, I had ran like a, one of those Spartan races. It was like a 5K with obstacles and yeah, yeah. I was completely unprepared for it. And I was like, yeah, I'll go do it. I'll go do it. And I ran it and just, I, I did it, but it took everything out of me. And so I kind of passed out that night. And I woke up like early in the morning to like, 50 60 emails of like all these orders and like kickstarter had made me the project of the day and it was like oh man it was really crazy and so yeah i had that feeling like wow this is awesome and i was like wow this is crazy (laughs) Um, so yeah that that money helped fund my actual shop because before that like i said i only had a little bandsaw just like a little um 10 inch bandsaw from sears and some sanders and a little bench top joiner and a planer. And that's kind of what I use to make all these boxes. And so I didn't really have the tools to make the type of stuff I make now. And and so that's what that money went to. I bought myself a table saw. I got myself um, a, a beggar band saw and some other tools. And that kind of started my, my real shop, my current shop that I have now and, and what you might see on my YouTube channel. So... It, um, that's it does awesome. kind of it does kind of put to bed the idea that you can't do woodworking unless you right. spend a bazillion dollars. Thank you. In yeah, tools. yeah. 
which that I love when I hear stories like that, like a craftsman. I'm just imagining just a craftsman vans on some really just basic, basic tools. And you're like, yeah, I'm just going to bang out thousands of dollars worth of bandsaw boxes. And what's your excuse? <laughs> yeah. It must be nice. Like that comment <laughs> oh, exactly. cannot like be said, applied, yeah. right? It's always the same thing, right? It's like, oh, I could do that if I had that kind of stuff too. And I always hear it, you know, you hear it now predominantly with like desktop fab stuff. Like, oh, it must be nice to have a laser cutter. It must be nice to have a CNC. It's like, yeah, it is. It's nice. <laughs> it but it doesn't is. mean you can't do it without it, right? Exactly. That's pretty great, man. Yeah, I, 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 get, I get that comment every now and again. Um, mm-hmm. And I think most channels get it in some form because there's always somebody that thinks that you have a little bit more than them. And right. they might think that that's what's doing all the work. And to a degree, I mean, yes, like a really good golf club is better than one right. from, from the 20s, right? It's going to do better. Uh, but, you know, I don't. I wasn't given any of my tools. So it's, exactly. that's, um, that's one of the things I'm proud of. I'm proud of all the things I have in my shop. And uh, I try to use them as best that I can. You, you, do do some, uh, you do some killer stuff. And realistically i mean there's nothing in your shop that i would even the most exotic thing that you have is your shape oko like i don't right. think you particularly have anything in there where it's like oh no one that's an unattainable thing to have i mean you know you have some higher end stuff but you the, they're just the same tools just higher end i mean it's not you're not buying bat crap crazy stuff and putting it in there and going yeah i'm just gonna have a major production thing like you have a table saw well yeah you can get any table saw you, well, I don't. I don't think you've gone like crazy in any way as far as your shop goes. No, and I think too. I mean, it's one of one of the things I was thinking about with uh, the squiggle wine rack. Um, when you know you first did the the uh, router table, and it you know you got kind of like it it ate into it because it was too tall, and you took a well one. This is a big thing too. That, sorry, a little bit of a tangent, but I like that you that happened and you walked away because I think that is one of the, the biggest challenges my, for myself or whatever is like when something doesn't go right, I want to like just make it work. And, and that always leads to disaster. Right. So when that happened, when the, the bit just kind of ate at the, ate at the wood, you stepped away and said, all right, I'm not going to do this. And you put it aside for like, I think a couple months you said, right. Yeah. So that was supposed to be one of those like, one or two day projects. I was like, I'm going to make this as like a little Christmas gift. It'll be a great video, really approachable to people. And then, like you said, the bit just ate into the, into the wood. And I was just like, all right, this is, this is not happening. And I would say <laughs> at least, at least once or twice a year, I have a project video that something like that happens. Like it just doesn't turn out the way I'm hoping. And I just scrap it. Like I have, I don't know how many gigs of footage of just projects that don't make it. And I don't, you know, I, I like, I know that people like to see pe- me talk about my mistakes and other channels when they talk about their mistakes, it's really um, approachable for people to see that. Um, but there's some projects that I just don't right. want to share. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. Well, and I, and I think the, I mean, I, but sorry. And, but the part coming back to that too, is that, you ended up getting a router table, but you didn't get you didn't go out and get the you know the high the most high end router table. You got one that worked for what you needed. And again, I think that's you know that just shows that you can do things. You don't need the best tool, everything, uh, to make it work. So must be nice. Must be nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, I 
that's one of those things like I made the squiggle bench, the big one mm-hmm. without a router table. And it was big enough to where it kind of made sense to do it without a table. But yeah, I've been wanting a router table for a while and I just kept pushing it off for other things. And mm-hmm. it's, it's funny if you, if you kind of calculate how much you spend on tools, like I'll spend a hundred here, 50 there, and it probably adds up to <laughs> right. a full router table if I would have just waited. But um, we, we did that this weekend. Um, my wife was down in the shop with me and we were just looking around. And I always think this because I remember when my dad was woodworking, you know, his, I always tell the story. He has a, he had a folding table with his um, circular saw just bolted to it and pushed up through the middle of it. Like that was his table saw. He didn't have, we didn't have the money for a table saw. So he had a circular saw with the blade just popped up through and that was how he cut wood. And it was just like, we're looking around. I'm like, wow. So I got the Glowforge over there and got the CNC over there and I got the band saw and table saw. And and I'm looking around. I'm like, Jesus, there's a lot of stuff down in this shop. Like you don't, you're right. You don't think about it, right? You just, after a while, you're just sitting there one day and you go, when did I get all this? Like, it just kind of showed up. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm sort of in that position right now where I'm actually trying to downsize some of my stuff because when I'm working on a project, I feel like I have nowhere to go. And so mm. my, my shop is like a kind of a typical two-car garage, at least typical for down here in South Florida where it's like, I don't know, I want to say like 18 by 20, something like that. That's about the size of my shop too. Yeah, yeah. and so... You know, when I bought my table saw, I was like, yeah, I need to get the 52-inch table saw because it's only $100 more than the 36. Why not? And <laughs> I need to get um, the bigger drum sander. I need to get the bigger Shaboko. And then now that I have all these things in the shop, like, I have nowhere to move. And so I, I've, I'm thinking about downsizing the table saw, just not getting rid of it, just getting smaller fence rails because when do I ever cut something 52 inches wide? Right. Um, I don't even cut things 36 inches wide, so I could get that extra table space. I want to I wanna downsize the shape Oko because I don't cut anything that's 30 inches by 30 inches. And <laughs> so there's a lot of different things I'm actually downsizing, and that's why that little router table was kind of fun because it doesn't take up much space. It can be kind of hidden, and for a lot of the things I make, it does the job. And right. it, I think a lot of times when I buy tools, I, I start thinking about the what-ifs, like, uh, well, what if I have to sand something 44 inches wide i need the big drum sander right and (laughs) so i did think about that for the router table but i didn't want to go like halfway with it i wanted to either get the best i could or just get the little one and that's kind of what i did i actually was when i built the table for my because i have the same shape oko you do Mm -hmm. and when i built the table for it i put the table where it was going to go and i went Oh, you've made a terrible mistake, sir. <laughs> this thing is way bigger than you actually thought about it on would ever be. Like you look at it on paper, and it's like, oh yeah, it's forty by forty or whatever it is, the footprint. I'm like, that's not that big. No problem. I'll just make a table. And you start assembling a table that's forty eight by forty eight, so you have a little wiggle room and you suddenly go, Whoa, this is really big. <laughs> yeah, there's nowhere to put it that it doesn't stick out. It's a big square, right? It's yeah, like... it's just a – that's exactly <laughs> it. It's, it's What's funny is the XL one, they made a different shape. So it's wider than it is deep so right. that you can put it on like a 24-inch workbench. 
And I'm thinking, uh, there's part of me that's been thinking like, what? That's probably the one you should have got. Like, let's be realistic. You're never going to cut anything this big. But of course, if I had gotten the smaller one, then the first thing I'd think, the first thing, <laughs> I should have got the bigger one. Exactly. Yeah, you, yeah. yeah. You'd be like, I got to make a big sign my first project. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So far, I've not made anything over 12 by 10. <laughs> it's like... But yeah, I guess it's, it's, it's always the, it's always, you know, you buy, I, I've see, I see it particularly with bandsaws, like people buy 17 inch bandsaws and then make bandsaw boxes. Like, I, I, okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't disagree that having a 17 inch bandsaw is a nice luxury, but you've never, you're never going to resaw anything because you never take the quarter inch blade out of it. You know, it's right. It's, it's tool envy. It's tool envy. Or, you know, you think about, it's like you said, you think about the what ifs, or if you're thinking about, I'm making an investment in this, and I don't want to have to make another investment in it later on down the road. So you just kind of almost like stock up on something and go, yeah, I'll just get the options for now. And until you realize I can't even make a turn anywhere in my shop because I have no room to assemble anything because I have a 56 inch table saw. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, people say buy once, cry once, and it applies to a lot of things, especially when you're buying tools. Yeah, there's a time and a place for that, right? But, but I would say, like, as an example, with this little router table, like, it has made such a huge difference to just buy the cheap thing. Mm-hmm. And and it's helped me, because I make a lot of small stuff as well, and it's it's helped with that small stuff, because it can handle making little grooves for a box. Like, it doesn't yep. have to, you don't always have to route with a big, you know, mega flush trim bit, you know, so. Um, I've always been, I've always wanted a router table for my shop. And Rockler has this really cool thing that you put a, you basically clamp it to your bench and you put a trim router in it. And I'm like, that might be all I actually need. So I bought it figuring, all right, it's a $60 investment. Mm-hmm. If it sucks, I didn't, it didn't cost me a whole lot and I could just go get a regular. You know what? I've never had a need that that router table wasn't enough for. And I'm like, you know what? This was actually a smart move on my part for once rather than going, well, you know, I got to get, I got to get a nice phenolic table and, you know, spend $400 on a lifting mechanism and, you know, then buy a big ass router and nope, didn't do any of that. I actually approached, it was the one thing in my shop I can honestly say that I think I approached in a smart way and saved, actually saved a little money on, which was kind of cool. Well, and again, if your business or your whatever changes and you need something different, then it's 60 bucks. I mean, not that that's not, you know, that's 60 bucks, but it's, it's not like you're going to like, if your business, if the need requires you for something bigger, the money that you're probably going to make from that opportunity is probably going to way out pay, you know, pay for that 60 bucks that you already spent, you know? So you talked about, you talked about your, your gigs and gigs. I'm fascinated by this. I'm I'm actually fascinated by the idea that you have like gigs of like failures. <laughs> and I'm kind of curious, like, do you have any like sitting there that failed that you are just like stewing over? Like any that just sit in your craw in the wrong way where you're like, damn it, that really bugs me that that didn't work out. Or you've done it like a couple times, tried it a couple times and it doesn't work and just, yeah. it's like... Yeah, it's so, either me or them. <laughs> yeah, there is a... Um, so I think it was earlier this year... I think it was earlier this year, maybe in January, I was working on a little bench that was sort of in the same aesthetic of the rest of like the apothecary cabinets I make. And it was going to fit in the front of our house with the other things I've made. It was going to match perfectly. I had wood that was from those same pieces. It was was all going to be perfect. And I liked the design and uh, everything was going great. And the glue up 
just was a huge fail. And I don't know if I've been that dejected with a project before. <laughs> like it was just the worst feeling ever because it it was not salvageable at all because, you know, there's I had dowels everywhere that were glued in halfway and there's dry glue everywhere and some of the parts were kind of like, you know, off kilter. And it just, you know, it taught me a little bit of a lesson to kind of uh, do my mock-ups with the clamps and using all the dowels for my dry fit as opposed to just a few. You know, mm. I've learned that lesson because usually like if I say a corner has like six or seven dowels, I'll only do a dry fit with like three or four because like, you know, they can get kind of stuck even without glue. Um, but these ones just, there was no way I could get this thing together. And and that project just sort of sits in the corner of my shop. I still have the wood. It's just kind of sitting there. And I, I've debated putting out some sort of video about it. Like I posted on Instagram, but I just, I don't know if I want to go back and revisit it. <laughs> mm, right. That's interesting. I I'm surprised. I'm actually surprised, but you know, I guess it just goes to show that, like, no matter what you do, there's always an opportunity for something to just go a little bit sideways on you, and you just go, "Oh, I wasn't expecting that." Like, "Oh no, what do I do?" Well, and there's that tipping point too, and it's it's. I think I found myself a couple times getting to that point where I should have just given up, and I haven't. You know. Yeah, and so it's it yeah. I've actually, I was just having this conversation about the, um, the last project in the weekend woodworker course. Cause I was like, you know what? I really should finish that course. Right. Like just for the hell of it, just so I can get my certificate. And I realized I tried that curio cabinet, which is the last project. I tried it twice and I failed both times and I'm a much better woodworker now than I was when I took that course. And I almost want to do it just to prove, no, you actually can do this. Like it's okay. You can get this done. But then there's a part of me going, and what if you try to do it and you find out you're still not good enough to get it done? It's like, I don't know if I want to know if I can't right. get it done. Right. It's the white whale. It's like the um, the uh, giant cutting board, but that's a ongoing that's a story. <laughs> we're going to take – it's we're 40 minutes in, so we're going to take a quick break. We'll hit the sponsors, and then we'll uh, come back. We'll talk to John a little more, and then we'll hit the video of the weekend, uh, things of the week. So we'll be right back. So one of the things that we like to ask people who are – who definitely have a style um, and you clearly have, I wouldn't say like um, you have a definite vibe to your work that your work is very distinctive. And I'm wondering who your influences are and who your inspirations are. Like where do you, where do you find your inspiration and who influenced you and who influences your style? I would say the two that I really try to pull from the most are Matt Kenny and Mike Pekovich. <laughs> um, I think that their work is just so clean and they deal with uh, proportions really well. And I think that's one of the things I try to focus on when I design is is the proportions of, of the project. So like as an example, if if you're making a small box, it, it shouldn't have wood that's three quarters of an inch thick. Mm -hmm. um, like it's okay to come down in thickness. And that's something Matt Cunny does really well is he makes really small boxes and you can't always tell how big the box is because he takes photos in such a way that you're like, is this box like as big as a shoebox or is it as big as like a stick of butter, right? So <laughs> it's, uh, it's because he really deals with proportion well and so does Mike Pekovich and he does super clean work with, you know, the through dovetails, the through mortises and tenons. Um, and I, you know, I read uh, Mike Pekovich's book recently and he, 
he talks about the proportions of like casework. So like the casework, you might have inch thick material on the outside. And then as you start to start to work your way in, that material starts to get thinner and thinner because, you know, that aspect of the case is getting more delicate. You know, you're mm. starting to get closer to the things that this cabinet is going to hold. And so that's, those are the two I really like to, to take from. Um, and I wish they had like, a full catalog of YouTube videos. They have a few out there, but like, I just wish I could see them make every project they do, but you know, hopefully they, they'll start that one day. Yeah. Matt Kenny has was like uh, eight, nine videos. And I don't know that Mike Mike Pekovich has any, but I've se- I'm looking at pictures in Google images of his work and Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. And so I clean. think they, they both used to work for one or a few of the magazines so I think they have some videos where they're like for a fine woodworking or something like that. So oh, okay. there's some gotcha. there's some snippets out there, but not nearly enough. Not enough for us, right? <laughs> oh, that's a, well, it's, it's funny. Uh, I was just as you were talking about that, I was thinking about your latest video of the prototype because um, I could I looked at that thing and I, I thought that was a full scale coffee table. Yeah, and and <laughs> you and, really and screwed my mind up with that one. By it, the way, you did, and <laughs> and again, I'm a little mad at you because your prototype woodworking is probably better than any of my fine woodworking <laughs> will ever be. I watched that, I was like, ah, oh, he's yeah. So, so I he, went I went into that prototype thinking like I'm going to make the base out of like hardwood and make the top out of hardwood as well, and I want to make it like super clean and and like deceive everybody. Uh, but kind of like as I went on, I was like running out of time and just kind of like, <laughs> all right, let me get this together just so I can kind of see what it looks like. So the end result of the, are you actually going to make this full scale as an actual table or was the prototype just like, nah, not really? Well, we like the design, my wife and I. It, I just don't think it fits our needs right now. And yeah. I'm going to pocket it for now and it might turn into like a bench someday. It might turn into something else. Hopefully somebody approaches like a client that would like something like that. Like I'll get clients every once in a while and they, they're kind of open-ended on what they want for like a table and, and maybe I'll throw that at them and, and see if they like it. But yeah, for now I'm, I'm working on a different style coffee table. It, it could make a cool, um, like entry entryway, uh, like, uh, foot, uh, shoe bench, you know, like where you take off your shoes or something like it would have to narrow a little bit, but even that, I mean, I think there's a lot of that design is really cool. And I think there's a lot of, ways it could be adapted to different needs but it's got a really nice it's got a really nice retro modern vibe to yeah it. exactly like, it's like it's like what they thought the future was going to look like in like 1985 ish <laughs> and i love that look like it's got the, the two-step top and then the swoopy leg yeah just, it's the continuous leg does i i was really curious because after the video i was like so is he gonna make it or not <laughs> like i don't know we're we gonna get that that's a good one. That is yeah. definitely a good one. I love that you. I love that you actually built a prototype. What? What was it? Just to see if the the physics of the design would work, or did you want to see if you could could actually put it together? Or what? What prompted making the prototype? The prototype. What prompted you making the prototype? Jesus, I can't talk. <laughs> so there's two different things. Like the top was its own challenge, and so was the base. So I really wanted to know if the idea I had for how to make it was going to work. So as an example for the top, I was either going to do it similar to like the squiggle projects where mm-hmm. I'm like laminating the same shape over and over. Um, but then I, then I considered just doing just the S shape in the middle and then 
gluing like two straight panels to that. And mm-hmm. so that's what I did in the video. And I think it would work well. And then the base, there's so many different joints, making oh. sure that they're all square. Yeah, I wanted to see if... I feel like you pulled off a modern miracle getting the base to even hold a top. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was definitely a little shaky. And it's had a little bit to do with the material I was using. I, I wasn't super precise with with milling the dimensions mm-hmm. of it. But but yeah, it was it was cool to see. And I definitely learned, like I mentioned at the end of the video, like different things I learned and how I would approach it if I made a full-scale model. And And I think that even outside of that specific design, like it teaches you something about you know, different designs you'll approach in the future. This is the kind of thing, this is the kind of thing where if I did metal work, like doing that in um, square stock, the legs, just doing one continuous piece, like in square stock and bending it and then bending it the other way and bending it again and just doing a whole bunch of bends and doing it out of like steel, that would just be, and then just doing a really cool tabletop. Like, wow, this is, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thought piece, right? Right, Like you look at it and go, How many different ways could you do this? Yeah. And the number of ways you could do it are myriad. I'm trying to figure out how Mike um, Mike Clifford would do it with concrete. That's what I'm looking <laughs> at. Like, is there a way to do this with concrete? There's got to be a way to do it's this with be. concrete. <laughs> you know, I think he did something similar. And I think he did. Yeah. He did like, it was like a little bench that had a few curves in it. Well, he did um, He did one when he was with Four Eyes, uh, Chris Salamone at Four Eyes, that was a two-tiered thing i think but maybe i don't know if that's what you're talking about but he's he's one of those guys that's just like you just wait for him to just blow your mind and it just we i know we talk about him a lot but (laughs) he's doing it again with this freaking building that he's got and it's like just just you're showing everyone up now you're making everybody (laughs) feel bad stop it (laughs) he's the exact person that should buy a old beat up place like he did i mean exactly yeah exactly um Let's get into what well, it's really funny. So I, I don't I don't know if you know. See, we didn't tell John who the video of the week is, mm-hmm. which is good. But I did tell the video of the week who the video of the week was, because I mean, let's be honest, as far as our friends go, he's one of those guys that he thrives on the attention and he deserves <laughs> it for being video of the week this week. Yeah. But John, he happens to be a friend of yours. Um, oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, see, I know, I, I, ah, yeah, see, I, I know things. I know things about people. So Ethan and I, Ethan and I, we almost always end up agreeing like within seconds on the thing of, on the video of the week. Mm-hmm. And this week was so easy. It was like, well, he just wrecked it for everyone else. It's over. That's it. And the video of the week has to be Chris from Cowdog Craftworks mm-hmm. because that Nicholson bench is unbelievable. <laughs> it's it's well, and it's a perfect example of of what chris does i mean he he took a bench and he you know there's there's a lot of things that he could have done easier or you know used cheaper wood or whatever in the right ways though too like not it wasn't an entire bench made out of walnut right i mean he mm-hmm. he used um uh peg what's the the boards that he used for the bottom shelf he used yellow pine on the yeah, no, but like tongue and groove. Tongue and groove, thank you. The yeah. tongue and groove. Like he used tongue and groove for the bottom shelf. That mm-hmm. like that's not anything special, but it worked perfectly for that. But then he had amazing accents with the vices and 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 stuff like that. So he did a rosewood yeah. leg vice. Yeah. Like, oh my god, dude. <laughs> and the angle on that, I mean Everything about everything about this table was just like 
it was over the top but tasteful all at the same time which right. kind of describes chris over right. the top but tasteful although more so the over the top but <laughs> no I, I i kid i kid i love chris i do i chris is one of my favorite we like people. to give him a uh, crap we we do we <laughs> we actually have a little we have a little chat a little group chat with him called the halftime show which is what we started calling it then the episode he was on um mm-hmm. we started calling that the halftime show and he <laughs> we pop into that and we talk about it. but it was fun watching him go through the process of compiling the parts and making the video in his instagram stories and then to see this epic video just drop and that was the other thing like he told us he told us it was like much 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 longer and yeah. he ended up cutting it down to 27 minutes and it's just like yeah this is just the perfect it's probably his best video i mean not just because of what he built but because of the way he shot it the way he assembled it, just the pacing of it it's just a perfect video so well I, i've said it i mean i i think every time like he's been a video of the week before <laughs> i think every time i, I, I he his growing into his style every video like every video gets he refines his uh style a little bit more he does yeah so he's i mean he's he's a one to watch and b just like really good guy and really good videos he's a really, and, he's a really good guy um and you know what though like and i'm also really happy for him because you know he's he's had a couple of videos that have popped off and again for his size channel Mm-hmm. You know this this one is popping off and as it should and that doesn't always happen so I'm proud of him and happy for him that that's happening because it deserves it it's it's much better it's much more rewarding when someone that deserves it gets it than mm-hmm. someone that doesn't and you're like why you know <laughs> and um, I'll tell you I'll tell you as we're talking about him right now because we will he will start messaging us as soon as this episode drops. Well, he'll he's probably gonna, he's probably messaging us right now exactly as we're it. talking he's messaging us <laughs> he's not going to get mushy about it because no. he doesn't do that he's going to get sarcastic about it he's going to giggle and then he's going to be appreciative and because yep. uh, i just know i feel like i know chris really well all of a sudden like i'm glad one of the one of the coolest things that happened was meeting him through you it was it was it's been really cool getting to know him and just watching this video is just going to be his biggest video. Like, no doubt about it, it's going to be the biggest video he's ever done. And good for him because everyone loves a good everyone loves a good workbench video. Right. And this is a very good workbench video. Yeah. Yeah, work, workbench videos are like... I don't want to say they're like cutting board videos, but... Or bed videos. They're just like <laughs> yeah. that video that is so easy to watch. Like, there's right. always something new you kind of pick up. And I picked up a lot from his video as well. And I think that angled leg vice, mm-hmm. um, mm. it's a really nice aesthetic that, you know, most workbenches don't look super fancy. They're just mostly function. But he had a little bit of style to his that I think it looks great. And what's also good about workbenches is you'll see them in every video from here on out. And right. Hopefully, hopefully he talks about it a little bit and how it's working out for him and, and what he thinks uh, he would do different next time or what he likes about what he did. And uh, I'm, I'm how excited cool, to see what he puts out. How, how cool was the end stop that he put into the right. bench? for? Pl- I've never seen that before. I, I like, had no idea what that was. so yeah. freaking cool. Like I got it as soon as he said what it was. I didn't know what it was. I just saw him put it in and then he puts it in. I go, oh, I get it. Oh, that's so cool. It reminds me. So cool. it, it remind, I, I thought it was like one of those things when you're at a rental car place and you drive you drive the car over the things, but you can't back up, you know? Like, that's what it reminded me of. You've done that before, have you? <laughs> no, never. <laughs> never, never once. I, I pay attention to the sign that says, do not back up. <laughs> it was, it. what I also loved about it was he did some really 
off the beaten path type things, like putting dog holes on the side of the bench. Like, well, I don't know that I've ever seen that before. I think, I mean, I think that was part of the, uh, whoever used copy, I'm blanking yeah, the, on. It could be the Nicholson workbench. Yeah, I don't know that for sure, but. I don't know either, but I've never seen, I've yeah, definitely cool. never seen it before. And yeah. it was just like, wow, that's a really neat idea, just having hold downs just on the side. In fact, he actually told me, because I was like, after seeing your video, I think I'm going to get me some hold downs for my workbench. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, buy these. Like, yeah. that's how cool he is. Like, he's like, yeah, no, no, I'll tell you which ones to get because I know and these are good and you'll be happy with them. So, Well, and the other thing, too, is I, I at least in my opinion, he gave a lot of credit where credit was due. Mm-hmm. He did not try to take, you know, uh, take credit for anything that he didn't design. Right. So um, mm-hmm. and I always respect that. I think that to me, that means a lot more than than if it was your original idea. Yeah, I don't know. And I'm going to tell you, seeing him working on this and not that goddamn shaky table that he's been working on since <laughs> right. like, it's like that table was just aggravating watching him work on that. And it's like, you don't want to be, it's really funny. You don't want to be a safety scold, right? Because mm-hmm. we all hate those people, right? Mm-hmm. But I watch him work and it's on this table. And every time he moves the plane, the table's moving with the plane. And it's like, God, <laughs> Chris, could you please put something more stable under your work? Like work on the floor, for God's sake. Just stop with that table. So now he's got this <laughs> tank. I, I, so did John, you mention how much it weighed? Because it looks like yeah, it weighs a it's ton. Weighs a ton. <laughs> and there's no casters or anything. But Nope. Nope, ain't no well, he's got a, a PJ uh, to help him move that. He's got some muscle. So, <laughs> how, so wait, John, how do you guys know each other? Uh, so, I or live how in, do you guys? We live probably like twenty-five minutes away from each other, and they there's like a little uh, Instagram chat with some South Florida makers. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. And I don't, I don't really remember how I got connected to it, but yeah, it's 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 a pretty active little group, and. Uh, Yes. All I know is, all I know is, I said we're gonna have your boy on Monday night, and he goes, "Who's my boy? I have a lot of boys." <laughs> your boy John. He goes, "I love John." <laughs> so, that's funny. That's, it's so good, man. And it's, I just, I, I, I don't want to gush too much about him because I don't want to pump up his ego too much. But he's just one of those guys. One, I like when the good guys do well, and I like right. it's like I feel like he's one of us. Yeah. You know, and it's it's just nice. Like I like I, I like when the good guys do well. So this this video will have the link in the show notes and you definitely need to watch, even if you're and I'm just gonna say this, I'm not interested in building a workbench, but I mm-hmm. just loved watching him build this one. It was just that it's that good. Yeah, it's very good. Very good video. So um John real quick, no, real quick. Oh, so I, I just Googled it. So yeah, it, it was Modestrial Maker. He made the uh, uh it's it's the DIY ultra dash thin curved concrete bench, and it mar- marries uh, the shape of of your coffee table, and it's just one piece of concrete GFRC, you know, whatever. But uh, it that's the video. So wow. So anyone that wanted to find that, that's where it is. So I'm pedestrian maker. Now I'm looking through. See now, unfortunately, it was about a year ago. Short attention span Ferrari over here um, <laughs> now has to scroll and find the video because I have to see it because like I have to go. Yeah, I saw it and I know I did. Oh yeah. Oh wow. I do remember that. Yeah, it's very cool. But I remember the thumbnail. Can you mm-hmm. sit on it? Can you sit on it? And they can. Him the and yes. Chris <laughs> Salmoni can sit on it. Neither yeah, of them weigh a ton, but yeah. I mean, we're not talking about we're not talking about people like me. <laughs> um, a uh, funny question for you, John, before we get to your, your thing of the week. Um, we, my wife noticed 
and my wife knew you as the guy with the salmon colored shorts. And <laughs> that was like your trademark for a long time. And I've noticed they've kind of taken an absence. Is there, are they going to be making a return anytime soon? What, what was the falling out? <laughs> I, wore, I wore them today. You did? <laughs> right. All right. So I went back and listened to the, the episode where I was the video week of the week. Mm-hmm. And when I listened to that part about the shorts, I just started cracking up. Because I, I've had comments on, on some of my videos where like some guys like, I don't know. I don't know what the video was about. And some, maybe it's something I'm proud of. And then the guy just goes, pink shorts, bro. And that's, that's all he had. That's all I took away from the video. And so I let my wife listen to that, my, my in-laws, and they thought it was hilarious. So I purposely wore them today. And so um, we... When yeah, I that. before we really got familiar with your work, you were one of the newer channels I was watching, and I would say, "Oh, you got to see what this guy Perilla made." And she goes, "Who's that again?" And the guy with the shorts. The guy with the shorts, right? I remember him now. Yeah, yeah, the guy with the pink shorts. What do he make? So, <laughs> hey, but, again, it's branding, you know? Yeah, it's dude, like, it's like David Picciuto's red. We always talk about David Picciuto's red shirt, but yeah. it really is. It is. It's a brand. I mean. Yeah, right. And clearly, we love you for more than your pink shorts. I just want to point that out. Don't, don't get <laughs> Well, hurt. I think you got a merch line coming up. Yeah, so. yeah dude. There's your merch right there. Perilla <laughs> yeah, works with I'll the start, little log logo. Yeah. Start selling some, some tight shorts. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to do your, um, your thing of the week, John? Yeah, sure. Um, so my thing of the week, it's not – I wouldn't say it's anything groundbreaking or something people haven't seen already, but it's Rubio Monocoat. And I'm sure a lot of people have seen the big river tables that these Instagram accounts are are churning out, and they put on like a tiny bit of oil on a table, and then they just buff the whole thing, and it's completely finished. And I've tried it recently. I actually tried it today on um, a coffee table I'm making. And so this table is going to have some tight spots on the inside that are going to be hard to finish if I do it after I assemble everything. And so what I'm doing is pre-finishing before the glue up. And we're also staining it a dark color. So I'm using white oak and we want to make it sort of a dark gray or light black color. Ooh. And so I picked up the charcoal Rubio Monaco and the gist of it is you can kind of do a stain and a protective finish all in a single coat. And the, the reason I'm bringing it up is because if you look it up, it, it definitely is expensive or seems expensive for what you get, but the coverage you get for the little amount of finish you get is is pretty high. And so I would say it's a pretty good bang for your buck. And if you're working on projects that um, you want to apply some color to, it can be kind of daunting to mm-hmm. have to worry about, you know, what stain do I pick? How many coats do I do? How do I apply it? Do I have to let it sit and then wipe off the excess? Do I wipe it off immediately? Um, what kind of protective layer can go over this stain? Like there's a lot of, to think about. And I, I think finishing a wood project is its own little subset of woodworking that can be a little daunting. And I know that personally, like I don't always look forward to putting finish on a project. I know it, you know, seeing the grain pop is definitely something to anticipate, but you know, outside of that, like you don't want to ruin it. There's yeah, there's a lot happening and you don't want to ruin it. So anyways, the Rubio Monaco is super easy to apply. And I just think that for those that are more in the DIY realm, it may seem like a professional finish, but it's definitely something that you should give a shot. And, uh, 
can make some of your projects a little bit easier to uh, to handle. Yeah, John, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I like what I struggled with, and this is, I mean, really early on when I was using just you know uh, wood from you know the big box stores, whatever. And I, so I was staining it. I never knew like what what the you know the you know the protective coat to use, and I used a couple, and it like kind of ruined the finish. And so to your point, to have something that's kind of all in one is really, really accessible. And again, I probably spent more money trying to figure out buying different options and trying different things than if I just bought the right thing the first time. Right. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like that's something we all go through where you're trying, you try combinations of stains and finishes and you end up going, that isn't what I thought it was going to be. I mean, most of the time it'll be like acceptable or it'll look cool, but you'll, in the end you'll be like, that's, it looks good, but that ain't what I was trying to achieve. And that's, that is the one thing I really like about simple finish Mm-hmm. Is it's predictable. I'm. Yeah. It may. It, it's. There's a lot of things going on with it, but I know what it's going to look like when it goes on something. Like I can visualize it in my head, and I'm like, I know what I want it to look like. I know that's going to make it look that way. I can get away with it. But yeah, that finding that right mix of finish and stain, and yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of with you. Even though it's so, it's also a two parter, which mm-hmm. that scares a lot of people off. But it does look really attractive. The idea that you don't have to think about it. You just mix it up, put it on, and walk away. Well, I think, and to your point, too, that a little goes a long way. I mean, that I, I talk about that with some of the products I use a lot. Like So, like the tokenol uh, that I use for leather edge burnishing it's not cheap i mean it's you know it's you know i mean it varies on amazon but it can be 14 to 18 bucks for like a small container but this i've gotten i'm still using the first bottle container i've ever gotten so Mm. you know sometimes it's it's hard to justify the price when you see the amount that you're getting but you also have to factor in how far that amount is going to get you right? right so Especially yeah. with finishes. I think we all worry that we're going to run out of finishes. And I was just looking at my shop the other day, and I realized that there's some finishes, like Simple Finish, where I've, I'm on my second can of it. I'm mm-hmm. halfway through my second can of it, about to start my third can of it at some point soon. And then there's like stuff like various polyurethanes, like brush-on and wipe-on and spray-on and polycrylics. And I'm like... You know, that's I'm gonna have that for like the next three years because I just don't I don't go you don't through use it, that it much. right. You just don't use it that much. Um I got really into polycrylic because of Mike Montgomery and Ben Ueda. And mm-hmm. now it's like ah, I really like simple finish better. It just I know it amberizes the wood a little bit, but it's just Well it's, it's funny so though nice. that the that the two people that got you into polycrylic are the came up with something better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I learned, and this is an interesting little trick for it. When I was making my book things, book things, which are you put them on your thumb and you hold a book open mm-hmm. with it. What I learned is that it's really good to dip. Like so, when I was making the book things, I would just dip them in the poly in the um, simple finish hmm. and then put them on the paint pyramids. And then when it was time, just rub them in my hands between a between two ends of a rag and just put them down. And it was so much easier than trying to paint it on, and it worked so much better. So you can dip stuff if you have a a small enough thing. So just a there you go. There you go. See, we give tips too. We're not, <laughs> we're not just about talking stuff. So Rubio Monaco, we will have that somewhere that you can pick some of that. And up I've, I've only used it a few times, but I, I echo that. It's it's awesome stuff. So You know what got me when I saw it the first time? I think it was John Malecki did it, and he used a like one of the Harbor Freight, like um, the yellow scrapers mm-hmm. to put it on. To spread it around. Right. And I was like, oh. Is that how you used it, John? Yeah, so I, I had pretty big services to apply it to. So I used like an old credit card. 
Okay. Which is essentially the same thing. So right. and you spread it around and it's 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 kind of mesmerizing the way it works. And once you get to the edges, I would use like one of those white scotch bright pads. So it's mm. I wouldn't I don't know exactly what grid it is equivalent to, but it's like like a synthetic steel wool. And I would use that to spread it towards the edges and then you come back and wipe off all the excess. That's fantastic. I, I, so cool. I, the results are the results yeah. that people come up with are just are, they're beautiful. beautiful. It is beautiful yeah. stuff. So mm-hmm. that's going to be. I think I might have to. I might have to actually give it a try. I mean, the thing right now is most of every just about everything I do is done with mineral oil and then beeswax because it's mostly cutting boards and coasters. So, but I think I might have to get some of that. So, well, I yeah. think I, to your to your point, John. Too, I think the stain like the stain like if you're trying to whitewash something or Mm -hmm. you know those types of things that's a great application too yeah i'm fascinated by the idea of like using a dark stain like a gray or a blackish colored stain with this stuff and Mm -hmm. seeing the finish that does it come in like satin and gloss or is it just one type of it's i think it's mostly what i would consider between a matte and a satin okay because it kind of just absorbs right i mean it's not it's not a surface as much Uh, as yeah, they they have a spiel on their website about what they actually say, but it I think it gets absorbed like ever so slightly, and that's it. Like it doesn't okay. sink super far into the wood, mm-hmm. and if you apply more, it's not going to absorb. It anymore. doesn't go. It right. only absorbs what it absorbs, and that's sort of the the reason that you only need one coat. But I I do see people that do apply a second coat because there are some parts of parts of different areas of a piece of wood that might be like a knot or something that mm-hmm. need more of it but but yeah for the most part it just kind of sits there hmm. cool i'm really i'm really excited by this like I, I'm, wa- I'm wanting to get some now i think what if woodcraft ever opens up because that was the only place near me that actually had it was um woodcraft and it, woodcraft has been closed now for going right. on three months so as soon as they reopen i'm just gonna just burst through the doors like buying <laughs> everything in sight like letting loose a bull in a china shop Ethan, you want to hit your uh, thing of the week? Yeah, mine. Uh, so I mean, I didn't have a clear one coming in, but I, I'm. I think this is a good one. Uh, so I'm. My thing of the week goes out to I Jessup Jesse uh, Ueda, um, and her YouTube channel. And uh, we've talked about her before. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan. Obviously, I met her at WorkbenchCon. She's a great person. Really funny. Uh, but she uh, is. So her. She's known for uh, well. I was introduced to her by her brother, who's Ben Ueda, who's a uh, quote unquote bigger name, but not necessarily bigger, whatever. And um, and she uh, so he bought her a house, which is this like hoarder's house or whatever. And um, and she's like going to restore the whole thing. And it's awesome. It's a super awesome project. And the, her first video for uh, cleaning out the hoarder's house his her first one million viewed video so super proud of her super pumped for her um it was it was awesome she she did a great job on that video but then she also posted this week a um a a follow-up video where uh which she called the poop house questions plus vlog um (laughs) and where she kind of responds to so you know a million viewed video gets a lot of comments and Mm -hmm. you know some positive some uh weird and some mean and so she goes through the comments uh some of her favorite comments and kind of responds to them and she just does a fantastic job i mean it's it's hilarious Uh, it's it 
you know, the, um, what's his name? The late night show guy. Uh, Oh, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. He does Mm -hmm. like the, uh, the love letters or whatever. Like the, uh, he has a whole segment where he does this like shtick where he like writes these funny little love letters or thank you. Thank you notes. Sorry. Not love Mm -hmm. letters. Thank you notes. And she kind of does that. She has that kind of, uh, spin on some of her responses and they're just hilarious. She has a very great personality. I mean, uh, um, not personally, uh, great, um, comedic response to a lot of these things. And so both the video that hit 1 million views and her follow vlog video were just fantastic. So my shout out or thing of the week goes out to her. Cool. Yeah. That was, that was one of those videos where like you watch it and you finish and you're like, why did I just watch that? But right. it was still really interesting to see everything that happened. Yeah, there's so much going on and it's so... Are you talking about the, the cleaning out video? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was just like so disgusting and like, I mean, I gagged a couple times, but like, <laughs> but but it, but again, it was like fascinating and yeah, she did a great job with it, right? She's, um, she's got, she's got a great personality too. And I just, I've, I've always enjoyed, I'm a sucker for the Garys. I'm not going to yeah, lie. I know. I'm a sucker for the Garys. I love the Garys. So. Well, I love how she makes fun of uh, modern builds throughout her, the vlog video too. If you watch that, uh, cause they have a very like fun relationship where, you know, she's like his parent, you know, <laughs> cause he's like a little kid. So that was really funny too. So she did, a, it was a really good video. So. Cool. Yeah. So we'll have a link. We'll definitely have a link to both of those videos in the show notes as Ethan's thing of the week. My thing of the week is not an original one. It's not even one that it's funny that we're talking about the Ueda family because the first time I saw this thing, it was (laughs) um, Ben Ueda was using it. And the second time I saw it, David Picciuto was using it. Um, Oh, yeah. It's by a company called Micaton and it's a magnetic driver. um, It's a magnetic bit driver set. And I'm just going to tell you this much. You don't realize how much of a time saver something like this is until you get it. When I saw Ben use it the first time, I bought it. And I was like, I got it. And I didn't quite understand how to put the magnets onto the bits. So it didn't really work. And I was like, I I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. This worked so much better in the video. Why isn't it working? David Picciuto did it. And he showed putting the magnet on the bit and i was like oh okay and it suddenly made sense like how far to put it and all that and as soon as i saw david do it i was like okay i get it now and i went downstairs and i put it on my driver and i was just like oh my god i'm never using regular bits ever again in my driver ever 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 again so this set is it's a little on the pricey side it's um it's 60 bucks but I promise you the amount of time it saves you because what they did that was absolutely brilliant is they color coded the whole set. So the bits are color coded to the magnets that you put on them and you don't have to like screw around trying to figure out which goes with which it all goes together and it all makes sense. And they even give you one of the coolest things ever, which is a magnetic nail holder. So you put it in like a screwdriver that takes um I think that's I think they're all quarter inch, right? I think they're quarter inch, they might be three eighths, whichever they are. But you just put it in your standard multi-bit screwdriver head and you hold it and it holds the nail for you so you don't have to whack your fingers, which I don't know about you, but I hate dealing with nails. I do not like nails. So 
when they're not in the nail gun, I actually do use this thing because it's super duper handy. Um, I would highly recommend it. It's well, like I said, it's sixty dollars, but it works and it works really, really well. So, so it's funny that you say that because I I got it for Christmas. I asked. I think you did. Yeah. No. No. Not not even this pet. I think I don't even think it was this pet. So they make year. a smaller. They do make a smaller kit too. They do. Yeah. I have a th- I have a three piece mm-hmm. set. So I got that for Christmas. I I don't think it was this year. I think it was the year before, and I have not used it. And I think. Part of it is like the, for the same reason I didn't know how to use it. So, and I'm surprised I didn't watch. As you know, I'm a David Picciuto fan, so I'm surprised yeah. I didn't watch that video. So, um, that is the motivation I need to go watch it. It's wonderful. So, what I was doing wrong was I was trying to keep the tip of it flush to the tip of the magnet, mm-hmm. and of course, that's not going to work. I right, don't know why right. I thought that would actually work. I must be like part of a like part monkey. <laughs> but it really is just an amazing, amazing, amazing kit. It, it works. Like I said, you don't realize how much time it saves you until you get it and you start using it. And then it's now the first thing I reach for. And the nice thing is it actually works with an impact driver, which a lot of these specialty right. bit kit things don't work with impact drivers. They only work with drills, which who the hell uses a drill to drive screws? What is this, 1975? <laughs> Let's go, people. Let's go. But yeah, I would I would highly highly recommend this kit. Right. It, is, it just motivated me to get yeah. it out tomorrow. Trust me, trust. If you anytime you're going to use it and you're going to go, oh, I'm never ever <laughs> ever working without this thing again. It's one of the most handy things in my shop. It's funny because you said you had nothing for thing of the week this week. I had nothing for thing of the week this week either. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, no, of course I do. I've never talked about this before. So there you go. Yeah, I'll have the link to Amazon where you can buy it there. Um, you can buy it directly. It's available in a lot of different places. It's it's really worth the money. Um, before we get out of here, before we get out of here, because we are just about out of time for this week. But before we get out of here, Ethan and I are part of something pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. Lindsay Murphy, otherwise known as, I think, was it Lindsay Creative on Instagram? Mm-hmm. Is that how she goes? Yep. Yeah. She's doing a charity social justice auction, and, um, a raffle rather. So you donate to certain charities, and for your donation, every $5 you can use as a – you send her the receipt, and then you can use every $5 as a raffle ticket. And there are some incredible, incredible things on this um, raffle. Um, and then there's I, things from me and Vincent. But Yeah, exactly. I mean, Well, I mean, Ethan, my boy, actually bought a raffle ticket. I found out today that Ethan bought a raffle ticket. Oh, man, I'd be honored to win, oh. win one of your cutting boards, bud. Oh, yeah. So I put up one of my... So if you guys want to win one of my, one of my um, custom cutting boards, uh, I'm going to do it in, all, in maple with an accent wood. I'm not doing it in all Paducah. Forget it. Not happening. <laughs> You're, it's not that expensive. But it is going to be maple. I will do it with an accent wood. We'll make it to the size and shape and thickness that you're looking for. I, that's what I offered. Ethan, of course, what else would Ethan put in? Right. One of his traditionally famous exacto um, knives. Yes. yes, his leather-wrapped exacto knives. So we're both in there. Um, there's a whole bunch of makers you would recognize, a whole bunch of yeah. people that you, you've dealt with. And Lindsay's doing a really great thing. She's almost up to like $2,000 raised for different um, social justice charities that are helping communities get back after the the horrible events that have been going on the last couple of weeks. And it's worth it. You, you, can, you get to donate to a charity that's going to do some good work. And then at the same time, you can win something really cool. And what I'll say this too is that of all these things, there's there's enough makers that have donated, and uh, and uh, not unfortunately because there's a ton of people that have been super generous, but there's not an 
such a huge amount of people that have donated that your your chances are good. So your chances are good. Actually. Your chances are good. So uh, again, you shouldn't do that. Do it for that. But at the same time, if that's the if that's the tipping point that you need, hey, yeah, it. if that's what gives you the push to go go participate, to go donate, well, and to go support her and what she's doing, then so be it. And Vincent, I, can, so I, I mean, I just want to give um, Justin a little shout out too. Justin of Bear Maked is mm-hmm. running his own. He he uh, was too late to to join this one. So he's running his own raffle. He's raffling off um, the uh, the um, nut. That sounds so wrong, but the <laughs> you go ahead, try to yeah, work yourself uh, out of that one. Uh, <laughs> but he's raffling off his nuts. Go ahead. The metal <laughs> pen that he made out of metal. That's, uh, there's no way. There's no way. But anyways, uh, he made an amazing pen, and he's raffling that off as his own charity. So if mm-hmm. hats off to him. Um, and go give him a little love too. And it's the same rules. You get yep. you donate five dollars. You uh, you get a five dollar raffle ticket for it. So and why not mention also um, Brothers Make are also doing one. Yep, they're doing one for um, the Innocence Project, which is actually one of my favorite charities. So and the nice thing about what Lindsay's doing, by the way, um, I donated. A friend of mine has a charity called um, Atlanta Black Owned Business Relief, and she's doing. Um, she oh, yeah. started. She started a Kickstarter for these people. For these um these businesses that are affected by the the looting and the riots and all that, and she's raised almost three hundred thousand dollars yeah, with her charity. Crazy. Like she's kicking ass, yeah. and it's just like, all right, you go. Um, and that's who actually I made my donation to to get my raffle tickets for Lindsay's raffle because. Kathy from One Girl and Her Tools made a really cool pendant that I really want. So oh, yeah, I, so I have. I mean, I got one of the one of her Kathy's pendants from my mom, and my mom loves it. So yeah, she's 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 phenomenal. Talented. We're actually going to have her on the show. She's confused as to why we want to have her on the show. We're going to have her on the show in a couple <laughs> of weeks. So yeah, so there's a lot of good stuff going on. I know there's a lot of negativity in the world, but it's important to recognize that there's also a lot of positivity in the world and a lot of good can come out of a lot of bad. So not every bad thing has to end with the bad thing. And our community, I, I am so proud of our community and the way it's stepped up and doing good work and helping people out and doing the right thing. So yeah, definitely look into those. We'll have links to all of those in the show notes. Lindsay's ends June 21st. I'm not sure about the other ones, but we'll I'll have links to all of them when I make up the show notes for uh, tomorrow. All right, that's going to do it. John, thank you so much. John, thank you so there. much. No problem. Thank you, guys. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure finally getting to talk to you. I feel like I feel like I've known you forever, but I've never actually gotten to talk to you. So this is really, really cool. I'm so excited for all of your future projects because I love all of them. So yeah, do you have? Um, I know you said you were working on a coffee table. What's What's next for What's next for John Perilla? Like, what's the next big thing? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm always kind of taking things as they come. I'm hoping to get a little a new workbench out there because I made one a few years ago and I, I think it's time for a new one. So nice. that might be coming in the next few months. Cool. That's always a good, that's always a fun project. Yeah. Even I much, I hate making shop furniture, but I would love to make myself a nice workbench. I, I, there's something about a workbench too. That's so personal to yeah. the person that makes it. And, and it's one of those things that I, I feel like we all, if you make a workbench, you make it, for something that you're going to have forever kind of thing, you know? No one, yeah, no one, and Steve Ramsey said that no one ever keeps their first workbench. The first workbench is the one you use to make your perfect workbench. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's kind of right about that, yeah. I think. Like, you, 
you'll make that first one and it'll be like, no, this has a lot of shortcomings and you'll fix them all in the next one. And it's pretty I better make my first one soon then. Yeah, really? Geez. Well, (laughs) better put it on wheels, which is good. So you can work in your favorite shop. Um, We'll have links to John's um, Instagram, his YouTube. I think that's where everyone can find you, right? It's just Instagram and YouTube and your site, obviously. Yep. All right, cool. We'll have links to all that in the show notes, and you can go check John out and check definitely if you if you like his YouTube videos, check out his Instagram channel because yeah. he's really well, he's one of those like active story guys, which is kind of cool because you do get a sneak preview of what's coming up in his upcoming videos, which are always a treat. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you again for listening to everybody. Thank you for the reviews. Thank you for all the crazy number of new people that are listening to this podcast. Oh, my God. I am floored, floored at how many of you have come on board in the last couple of weeks. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're enjoying the show. Um, Feel free to throw a review up in their podcatcher of choice. We do love those reviews, and they do help people find the podcast. That's going to do it, though. We will talk to you again next week. Have a good one, everybody. Mm